And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Monday, November 16th. Oof. I just can't even believe it. November 16th. I know I keep saying that as days go by. It is remarkable. This has been the strangest year, and I know we're all feeling it. So if we can take a little bit of that fuzzy time haze that's going on in your brain and help you maybe distill the important financial questions that are bubbling around in there, then that would be great. Just send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. And Of course, don't forget to tell us if you'd like to come on the air with us. Mark will get you set up. It's so much fun. And I love to hear your voices. I really do. So, uh, okay, let's go straight to your questions. Start the Monday off on the correct foot. Julie writes, I'd love to get your advice on a financial question that will help me reach a lifelong dream. Here's Julie's situation. She writes, I'm an architect and I have been passionate about someday being able to design and build my own home. I'm 50 years old, divorced 12 years ago, two kids in college. I've worked as an architect for a university for 28 years and plan to retire in nine more years and I'll have a pension that will match my salary of $170,000. Oh my God. I have 14 years left on my current home loan. Home value is $620,000, a $390,000 mortgage at just 2.8%. I have $120,000 in a Fidelity 403B, and I've been putting $200 a month in this account for years. I consider it my just-in-case money with ability to borrow from it. I just recently bought a lot near the coast, and I plan to pay off that lot by 2025. Okay, when my Noni died in 2003, she left me some shares in American Funds Investment Company of America, which is, by the way, a very good fund. It's currently worth $60,000. I plan to sell all of these shares in about five years to help support build the house on the lot I just purchased. Yes, I want to pinch myself. All right. Here's my dilemma. The shares have been with Edward Jones, and I have no other funds with them. And about once a year, I get a call from the advisor telling me I should invest differently. This year's call was fairly bullish, telling me I would need to sign a document, noting I was not taking my advisor's advice, and they were mecha, mecha, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and they recommended I sell the funds and invest in funds where, okay, 
am I being foolish holding on to this fund? Thanks so much for being a strong advocate for independent women. Virtual hugs, Julie. I love that. Um, I don't like uh, any sort of bullying, number one. So here's what I would do. The thing is, there is probably some merit to diversifying this fund. But Investment Company of America is pretty, you know, it's it's basically like an index fund. I, I think it would be well worth your time to at least, first of all, try to figure out, you know, is it really this important for me to keep this fund? Because obviously you're going to pay some capital gains on this thing. It essentially is, uh, you know, done not great, but it's done well. It's fine. You know, I'm just looking here. I'm just, I'm looking it up right now and, you know, it's fine. This is a fund where you kind of are taking a slow poke approach. It's, it's tends to be a value fund. Value has been lagging growth for the last five years. And so you're, you're, the advisor's right. But on the other hand, I don't know, it's, it's probably doing okay and it's probably going to start doing better as um, the economy starts to come back. I guess that my big question to you is, you know, if you don't want to really hear from them, what you could do is you could sell it and you could move on and just move it into an account yourself and invest in a broad-based stock index fund and a broad-based bond index fund. But don't forget, you're going to need this money in five years. So you can't go crazy with the risk. You really have to be careful. So I don't think that there is a foolishness aspect of this, but if you don't want to get that call every year, there's certainly a lot more that you could do with the money. Okay. All right. Jesse writes, hi, Jill and Mark. I enjoyed listening to your interview with Roger Ferguson. He's the CEO of TIAA. Hey, Mark, do you know that he is being talked about as a potential cabinet member of the Biden administration? Thought you might like that. Yeah, he's being, I understand he's being considered for treasury secretary and he's also being considered for a Fed governorship. Okay. Anyway, it got me thinking, the interview got me thinking again about a retirement diversification idea I've been sitting on. I've been contributing to my Fidelity retirement account for about nine years. It's all in the 2050 target date fund because I didn't really love any of the individual stock and bond index options in the plan the last time I was diving into them. So right now, 97% stock. My wife is a college professor. We just started contributing to her TIAA account about two years ago. Her contributions have been defaulting into a 2055 fund. You mentioned several times on the pod that the CREF annuities are particularly good. I've been listening religiously since 2017 and was actually on a listener question episode with you that year. Thanks again for taking the call. Anyway, goes on to write, I'm thinking that I might switch her allocation to annuities to offset the high risk in my allocation, but I'm confused by the annuity options. The only fixed rate annuities are on the TIA side, the CREF side, all variable. Okay. So here's the deal. You go to the TIA side. That's what you do, Jesse in Illinois. And I think it's a great idea. If you're going to have any sort of fixed investment, what you would do is you would choose the TIAA fixed fund. You should have both. You should have, in in one side, you would have the TIAA traditional annuity. And in the other side, you'd have the CREF. So you're going to go to the fixed annuity. 
I don't know the difference. You send me a couple of yours, but I can't click through, but I would try, I would, I'll tell you what, look at the four annuity choices you have, not the supplemental. So maybe the three, the retirement annuity, the retirement choice, and the supplemental retirement annuity, figure out which one of those has the highest paying interest right now and use it. And that's your fixed account. And it's a great idea to balance your very risky stuff with her less risky stuff. Ashley writes, I love your podcast. Thank you for taking my question. This will be long, so bear with me. I've got a good dilemma, one I've been going back and forth about. I'm 28 years old, long-term boyfriend, no kids. I make $47,000 a year at my county-level day job, which will be closer to $51,000 this year with various online side hustles. Love that. I anticipate my salary being close to this next year. My government job is very secure. My only debts are a new mortgage, $114,000, 30-year mortgage at 2.75%. It's unbelievable, these rates, right? Uh, It's a $148,000 house. There's also a federal student loan of just under $12,000, normally has an interest rate of 3.5%, but it's zero due to the pandemic. This started with a balance of 58,000 five years ago when I graduated, so I'm very happy with how low the balances are now. My total housing cost is $1,000 a month. I split the cost with my boyfriend and roommate. Wait, you live with your boyfriend and a roommate? That's so funny. Okay, Uh, other bills, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so let's see what's going on here. After completing some renovations, um, I've got $51,000 in my high-yield savings account. I don't anticipate any more major renos soon. And let's see, what else? I have $34,000 in my Roth IRA. It seems like I've exhausted all of the avenues um, except putting more money into the stock market. I'm hesitant to do right now outside of my Roth because I believe the market is overvalued. Hmm. Paying off the student loans at the end of the 0% period would grant me a 3.5% return. But when Biden was running as a candidate, he mentioned a possibility of wiping out $10,000 worth of student loans. Uh, Okay, so should I be planning on paying down my loans uh, after the 0% interest ends? I like the thought of being non-mortgage debt-free, but um, is there a better place? An emergency fund would be $20,000, so I'm considering what to do with my other $31,000. Okay, so let's go back here for a second. She's got... Uh, the $12,000 at 3.5%, you know what I would do? Knock that off. Pay that off. I don't see what, I mean, first of all, I don't, Mark, do you think that there's going to be any possibility with the composition of Congress the way it is that we're going to get $10,000 wiped out of student loan debt? I wouldn't count on it either. So I would take the 12 grand and I'd pop it down on there and that's it. You know, I think that I'm a little bit, like you said, you have a car with 100,000 miles on it. I don't know. I sort of feel a little bit like maybe you should have a slightly larger emergency reserve fund because I am ai know it's a, you know, a Nissan, and so maybe it will run forever, but probably not. So I'm wondering if maybe you're going to actually, I don't know, three years, maybe it's better to see if you can get a really cheap car loan right now and bang that out now. I don't know. Maybe driving it into the ground is good, but something goes wrong, you're kind of screwed. So keep a little extra in your emergency reserve. And um, and other than that, I don't know what else we have here. Um, so, I mean, you keep maxing out the Roth IRA, you should do that. If you have the extra money, what you could do is you could put money into your 401k, even though it doesn't have a match, figure out the cheapest options. Because she said that her 
401k has high fees, but maybe is there something in there that has lowish fees and then you could put a little in there, just a little bit? I don't know. If you send me the list of, of options, maybe we could help you out. And otherwise, you're stuck with what you're stuck with. As you said, I don't think, look, if you're 28 years old and you're investing for the future, I really don't think, you know, trying to figure out what's overvalued and not overvalued makes a ton of sense. But those are my thoughts. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Here's a follow-up with a caller who was so lovely, Indira. She said, thanks again for the opportunity to be on the show. I love the personal feedback and the specific input on my plans going forward. One thing we didn't have time to address was my question about whether you think I should purchase long-term care insurance. It would be in case I needed to be moved to assisted living and or using a nursing home in my later years. I know the premiums are very high, but I also read so much about the importance of being prepared. Any thoughts? So, okay, Indira, just as a reminder, Indira is single. Uh, I think she's in her early 60s, no dependents. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't do it. So what's the worst thing that happened? You spend some of your money down. I, it's too expensive for me to really feel comfortable making that recommendation. Since nobody's really waiting for your money, if you had to spend it on your own care, so be it. All right. Here's Michael. Subject, just a thank you note. Hello. He writes, I just wanted to send a thank you note for all the advice and help that you give. It's so clear how much you genuinely care about helping people with financial planning. The content is always so great to listen to. I truly feel like your show has helped me come to understand finances and how to manage some of my money, which I really need as I'm going to be coming out of grad school with plenty of debt. Oh, Michael, thank you so much for writing that. You know, when I end the show, and I say to you, lift somebody up today. I want you guys to know how much those notes mean to us, how much it means to us when Mark starts reading me some of the ratings and the reviews that you guys post about the podcast and how we don't take that for granted. You know, this is a labor of love. Mark and I started doing this first with a radio show almost a dozen years ago and now with the podcast. And this is by far the best part of our week that we spent. Um, and thankfully, I have Mark there who I always, I, I say this a million times, but without Mark, this show does not happen. It does not. We are a team and you guys are all part of the team and we so appreciate you. So today, as we close out the show, as always, remember to wash your hands, to wear your masks, to maintain your physical distancing, and know that we so appreciate you and we certainly feel lifted up when you tell us the things that you tell us about, that you like us, etc. Now you can go do that for somebody else. Lift somebody else up today. It will make you feel better. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.